This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio. The new AM740. The world doesn't need another sports show. It needs an awesome sports show. You're listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning, Naz. Good morning, Wally. Neil, the boys are back. Let's talk sports. Good morning and welcome to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto. And if you're listening in downtown Toronto, you can also listen to us on 96.7 FM. I'm your host, Walter Rigabon. As usual, with me in studio, my co-host, Naz Marchese. Good morning, Naz. Good morning, Wally. How are you today? Uh, I'm doing great, thank you. Welcome to March 20th and an interesting historical anomaly. March 20th happens to be the birthday of... Two of Canada's greatest hockey players in history. Perhaps you'd like to intro that one, Naz. Yeah, greatest Toronto Maple Leaf, Dave Keon. It's his birthday today, and the best player, as far as I'm concerned, to ever play in the NHL, Bobby Orr. Can you imagine two guys like that having the same birthday? March 20th, certainly a special day, and uh, I was uh, fortunate enough to be away this week and actually spent a little bit of time with Mr. Keon. And, um, you know, uh, a while back we had... uh, on uh, on the Nazawali Sports Hour, uh, we had him in studio for an entire hour the day after he was admitted to Legends Row, and uh, he was uh, certainly very very thankful of the ceremony that uh, that happened that Saturday night. And I know Naz, you and I were both there at the ACC. It was uh, it was an event, a tremendous event for the fans who got the uh, got the ability to express their appreciation for everything David Keon did for the Toronto Maple Leafs and. I think, and uh, like your thoughts on this as well, Naz, I think there's one more thing the Toronto Maple Leafs can do for David Keon, and uh, I chatted with him about it, and um, and we've chatted about it on the show um, quite a bit, um, and it's uh, you know it's the number fourteen, it's yeah. it's not hanging from the rafters at uh, at the ACC, and I think it's time. Uh, and certainly, I think the way to the way to go about it, and we've been vocal about it. Uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs honor sweaters; they don't retire them. Quite frankly, uh, most of those sweaters haven't been used for a long time. The only one that I th- that I see, correct me if I'm wrong, Naz. Van Reems today. Van Reems likes wearing number twenty-one, but all the other all the other great sweaters, uh, fourteen, um, Wendell seventeen. Sittler, Mahovlich, 27, Horton, 7, Bauer, 1, 9, 9, was that, was that Teeter? Teeter Kennedy, Teeter yeah. Kennedy, and uh, those numbers, they're, they're not used anymore anywhere, anymore. Why not, uh, why not just retire all those sweaters in a fantastic ceremony? In the centennial year. You got the centennial year, year next year, you could have MLSC, listen, if you got any sense of drama... Or any sense of theater, or any sense of of, uh, of an entertainment uh, streak in your bones, it would be an incredible ceremony at the ACC next year, celebrating the hundredth anniversary of the Toronto Maple Leafs, and what what an event it would be if you had uh, 
you know, on center ice at the same time, you brought back Daryl Sittler and Frank Mahovlich and Dave Keon and uh, help me out here, Naz, uh, Boreas Salming and Matt Sundin and Wendell Clark and Doug Gilmore and Man, what a ceremony that would be. The fans would go crazy seeing all of those sweaters uh, retired all on the same day with all of those incredible legends on center ice at the same time. That- yeah, at the, the press conference, uh, Shanahan, uh, somebody asked him, one of the press asked him about uh, retiring uh, number 14. And he said that uh, they would be in discussion and yeah, trying yeah. to do something. So. Hopefully Shanahan gets it done, and that would be the final touches. Yeah, I, I, now, I th- yeah, sorry, Larry ahead, Hellman curse. <laughs> the last, the last project. Uh, it's a 2016 project of the of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. The Larry Hillman curse uh, is the last thing we removed. Uh, you know, we put uh, we we brought back David Keon. We think we were. Uh, had a part to do in that, and uh, we, you know, David Keon's back, and uh, there seems to be one last. Uh, this I know Damian Cox has written about it, and uh, other people have brought it up. The Larry Hillman curse goes back to 1967. Yeah, briefly tell me about that, Wally. Well, 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 let me tell you the curse because I read about it again yesterday. Larry, people forget Larry Hillman was a journeyman hockey player, but he was a very good hockey player. He's a very successful hockey player. He's, yeah. I understand he's currently living living in in St. Catharines, and uh, you know he was he was a very important part of the 1967. Toronto Maple Leaf Stanley Cup victories. He's, he's probably was their best defenseman in that series. He, I mean, he had a history of going back and forth and uh, up and down with Rochester for a while. But yeah. he played on quite a few Stanley Cup teams with with uh, with some uh, with, with Philadelphia, different teams. Montreal, Detroit, Detroit, and of course Toronto. And uh, he he had a fantastic Stanley Cup run in 1967, and then he went in and tried to negotiate with uh, Punch Imlac, and uh, Punch wasn't the easiest guy to uh, to negotiate with, and I think Larry was asking for a couple of thousand bucks more, from eighteen thousand to twenty thousand or whatever, and um, and Hillman, and of course Punch turned him down, not only turned him down but suspended him for for a period of time, and uh, didn't get paid. And then I think after that, Larry Hillman decided it was time to move on. Never, never came back, and and felt that he had been unfairly treated, and always thought that he should have been paid the two thousand dollars. And to this day, feels he should be paid that plus interest. And somebody, somebody, you know, commentators at the time and, and since then have said well, the Leafs will never ever be successful again until Larry, Larry this debt is settled with Larry Hillman. And uh, that's that's a curse uh, that that I'm sure Larry Hillman doesn't uh, is not holding over the over the Toronto Maple Leafs, that, but you know people pretty... make, make people make you know make fun about it. And uh, so we we I mean we'd love to chat with Larry Hillman. He was he was an important part of the Toronto Maple Leafs in the 1960s. And uh, if there is a curse. Let's see what we can do to that's, get rid of it. That's pretty funny, though. That's yeah. pretty funny. And so hopefully at some point in time we'll get a chat. I just want to let the listeners know uh, uh, what we'll be talking about on the show today. We've got two important guests on the show today. We're going to be talking golf. Uh, spring is in the air. We've got Matt Janella. Matt Janella is Golf Channel's resident travel insider and appears regularly on the Golf Channel's morning drive. Uh, yeah, We've talked to Matt uh, before on the show, and we're going to love to catch up with him. In the middle of the hour, the executive director of the National Golf Club of Canada, Rob Roxborough, also uh, we've talked to him on the show before. Certainly uh, some Canadian golfers have been making some noise on the PGA Tours, uh, both men 
and women. Uh, a great performance last week by Graham Dillette, although his uh, what they call the flat stick let him down. That is, of course, his putter. Uh, played very well, was in contention right to the right to the end. And Canada's great young female golfer, Brooke Henderson, all of 17 or 18 years old. She's in the thick of it this uh, this week on in the LPGA. She had a fantastic round yesterday, and uh, she is a winner on the LPGA Tour, and she's Canada's bright hope and uh, fabulous golfer, seems like a great personality, and we'd love to talk to Rob Roxborough about all things golf in Canada. Certainly looking forward to that. And uh, very, very quickly, the uh, the uh, Toronto Marlies are doing fantastic in the NHL and may cost the Toronto Maple Leafs the Austin Matthews uh, Derby. A good performance by the Marlies playing in the NHL last night. Uh, your thoughts, Ness? Yeah, Nylander had a goal and an assist. They're playing. They only allowed 20 shots on net against the Sabres last night. They're playing defensively like Mike Babcock wants them to. So you know what? There might be a good future for these guys. Although I still think that the only guy that is in the... I think Nylander is a top six forward. But that's the only guy out there that's uh, in the, in that top. They need to improve their top end for sure. Anyways, at the bottom of the hour, after we've uh, chatted with Matt Janelle and Rob Roxborough, we'd love to take your calls and we'll, oh, hopefully we'll be chatting a little bit more. Toronto Maple Leafs and Toronto Marlies. And, uh, and, we'll and be, don't forget the Blue Jays. And the Blue Jays. Uh, we'll be going to break. We'll be right back with Matt Janella. It was a rainy day when Pizzaville brought back the large five-topping pizza special for just $13.99 for a limited time. I'm whispering because the last time Pizzaville brought back this special, there was pandemonium in the streets, pushing, shoving, biting. So order now and order often and hopefully you won't have any bite marks when this is over. Call Pizzaville for the large five-topping pizza special at pound 3636 from your cell phone. There's an old saying, entrepreneurship doesn't build character, it reveals character. Entrepreneurs learn to trust a person by trusting people. The law firm Rigabon Carly understands this. They know all about entrepreneurs because they work for them. Every day, they've earned their trust. They know that when it comes to meeting the legal and business needs of entrepreneurs, good enough is not enough. Rigabon Carly, the intelligent choice. Steel's Paint in Woodbridge, an enormous 20,000 square foot superstore that carries nothing but the best. Superior staff, superior advice, superior selection, superior everything. When you have a really tough job to do, they can knock it down to size. They'll show you how to get it done right, and because they only sell the best of everything, you'll get it done to last. That means superior satisfaction. Steel's Paint, 4190 Steel's Avenue West in Woodbridge, the best. At Titanium Logistics, we believe that choosing the right shipping company comes down to two issues, price and cost. Most prices are competitive, will likely save you money too, but the cost of choosing the wrong company to service your cross-border freight to and from the U.S. and Mexico can be extraordinary. If it's not where it should be, when it should be, that bargain price, worthless. Titanium Logistics, on time, on budget. Call 905-266-3014. Ask for Blair Downey. 
This is Daryl Sittler for Alta Infinity and Vaughn. I've worked with some pretty great teams over the years, and the staff at Alta ranks among the very best. Expert sales, superior service, and the largest selection of Infinity cars and SUVs in Canada, and the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's no wonder that Alta has been an all-star performer for well over a decade. Visit AltaInfinityWoodbridge.com, or better yet, drop by the number 7 Auto Mall at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice. With a little training, anyone can learn the security business while on duty at your home or company. It's unfortunate, but a lot of security companies are just not experienced enough to handle the complex dynamics of tactical security. And that little bit of training and experience can end up costing you a lot more than you bargained for. Peace of mind, trust, and honor is the foundation on which the Regal Security reputation is built. They're driven, they're respected, and they're unrivaled. They're everyday superheroes. Visit them online at regalsecurity.ca and find out how much they know, not how much they can learn. There are two ways to argue sports with these guys, and none of them work. The boys are back, the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning and welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto. We're pleased to welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, Matt Janella. Matt Janella is Golf Channel's resident travel insider who appears regularly on the morning drive on the Golf Channel. Good morning, Matt. How are you this morning? Good morning, guys. Thanks for having me. Uh, thanks for joining us again. And uh, with my tongue firmly planted in my cheek, I take it that you still haven't found a real job and you're still the resident travel insider for the Golf Channel. <laughs> I, I, I will do it as long as they uh, <laughs> uh, want to pay me. Anyways, uh, I, I applied. Uh, I don't know if you saw your inbox a little while ago. I applied to be your intern and I haven't received a response from you yet. So I kindly ask that you <laughs> treat my application carefully. Anyways, on a more serious note, Matt, it's uh, spring is in the air in southern Ontario and uh, Canadians are golf starved. It hasn't been a really difficult winter, but for a lot of us, our golf clubs were put away a long time ago and we've been down in the basement uh uh, sharpening them up and uh, glossing them up and thinking of places to go and start the season early. Of course, the golf season's just around the corner in southern Ontario. But a lot of Canadians at this time of year look southward. And uh, I know that you're a, you're a travel, uh, travel expert, golf travel expert. Some places for us golf-starved guys in southern Ontario to perhaps hop in a car and Maybe eight or ten hours later, we can end up in some great places. What uh, What do you recommend, Matt? I feel like you know. I feel like I should tell you about places in Mexico because I know <laughs> for a fact you, you you Canadians are very willing to drive anywhere for good golf. Yeah, good I don't know about Mexico, but <laughs> Mexico is yeah. a little uh, far. But I know, but I'm just saying. Yeah. I've 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 seen I've seen you guys go go to amazing lengths to uh, to play your golf. So. Um, but honestly, I, I, first of all, I think, um, I think I'm very excited for you guys for what's going on in Michigan and Wisconsin, obviously the development, uh, forest dunes with the new Tom Doak golf course that will open up to preview play, uh, in this summer. And then sand Valley will have the first core in Crenshaw golf course that Mike Kaiser is building in Wisconsin that will be available for uh, preview play at the end of, uh, the summer, early fall. 
and they've got another David Kidd course coming there as well. So that'll be kind of the uh, the band and dunes of the Midwest, which is, should be interesting. I also think that uh, Pinehurst, I just left Pinehurst uh, a week ago, and it's the cradle of American golf, and we know all about the history of the of the old golf courses that have been built there going back to the early 1900s uh, where Donald Ross uh, lived and eventually died building and tweaking courses like Pinehurst number two. Um, but I, I think there's a lot of renovation and restoration going on in the area, not just of the Pinehurst courses. I saw Mid Pines, which is just recently renovated by Kyle Franz, and I got to play the golf course with him. It's a very similar restoration that, that number two underwent, which was bringing it back to its natural look, the way that Donna Ross intended. I think Mid, Mid Pines has become the best, second best golf course in Pinehurst behind number two. And its sister course, Pine Needles, is a great option. I think that, you know that area is obviously loaded, and I think it's 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 been good. And I think now, because of a lot of uh, touch-ups, it's gotten better. Any uh, any thoughts on uh, Kiowa Island, uh, Matt? Uh, it's uh, further down near near Charleston, and it's of course got the Ocean Course, got a history with some uh, Ryder Cups and PGA there. Uh, your thoughts on on the Ocean Course and uh, the golf in and around Kiowa Island? Um, it's, it's good. Uh, it, you've got to be, you know, I think it's a great hotel. I, I love the sanctuary. I think it's a great, a great place to stay. It's very good for couples, uh, and, and families. Um, the, it's got, it's got tough golf. You know, it's not, the ocean course is not for everybody. It, it's, it's one of, if, if not the hardest, it's one of the hardest golf courses in America, in the world. And the other golf courses aren't exactly easy there are various uh, degrees of difficulty i like kiowa um i wish i wish places like kiowa even places like pinehurst reynolds plantation in uh, georgia i uh, these places have a lot of big golf courses my big spiel lately has been uh places that need to add short courses places that are more uh, courses that are a little more accommodating to the general clientele of, of golf and destinations uh, and just kind of create that place where families can go out and really have a lot of fun. Kids can go out and have a golf experience that are having. So, I, you know, I'm down on very, very hard and expensive golf right now. And I think that's what Kiowa Ocean Course qualifies as. Uh, Matt, we're talking to Matt Janella, who's, of course, uh, Golf Channel's resident travel insider, and he appears regularly on the Golf Channel Morning Drive, and we brought up the topic of, of Pinehurst. Uh, Matt, and with your indulgence, I'd like to... Go to a topic uh, you got into. You got into uh, a discussion. Let's be. Uh, let's leave it at that. With uh, with someone who's very prominent in the United States uh, right now, Mr. Donald Trump. Uh, a few years back, you got into a Twitter a Twitter war with with the Donald over different interpretations of of golf architecture and specifically Pinehurst. Uh, I was looking into that a little bit yesterday and I found that a little bit amusing, but uh, you didn't pull any punches with with the Donald. In fact, one of your tweets, you said his position on Pinehurst is disappointing and irresponsible. Uh, Tell us a little bit about about that little little, uh, discussion you had with Mr. Trump. Um, it goes back to 2014 during the uh, Men's U.S. Open, uh, in which the golf course was being, you know, presented in a way that, uh, you know, with just in its new form, with centerline irrigation and without a a great emphasis on keeping everything green to, from from 
from tea to green, uh, allowing kind of the, the edges of the fairways to go brown. And in response to the look of Piner's number two at that time, uh, Mr. Trump had, you know, sent out some um, damning tweet about the look of it and, and how, it, you know, it, it's, it's not a good look uh, for Piner's number two. And it's not good for golf. And I just thought that was actually the opposite, given all that we know about the future of the game and how dependent golf is on water and knowing, you know, the, 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 the drastic situations that a good portion of the country is in, specifically the United States. And being in golf, I, I just thought Trump's comments were, like I said, I thought they were irresponsible. I think he, he as a person who is so into golf and, and is now either built or developed as many as 18 courses all over the world, I think he, you know, he needed to be more of the thought leaders and try to help educate people that this is, that brown is okay, that we don't always need to see green golf courses every time we go out and play, much like what we don't see over in the U.K., which is golf more in its natural state. We're talking to Matt Janella, who uh, appears regularly on Golf Channel's Morning Drive. Matt, I know that you have, uh, um, you know, you're an, I use the word expert. You are an expert on, on, on golf courses. You've played probably every significant golf course in the world. And uh, you have, I'm sure you have your favorites and you have a way of, of deciding or a way of analyzing a course to uh, decide whether it's a great course or a good course or what appeals to you. And, of course, we've got Masters Sunday coming up, and there isn't a more iconic course in the world than Augusta uh, for various reasons. Um, what makes Augusta a great golf course? Uh, it's, it's about, it's about I, I like to say, um, half pars. You know, when you step up on a tee and it's it's a drivable par four, you ca- you kind of call it a par, you know, three and a half because it's it's it creates a lot of drama and allows you to you know to feel like you're definitely going to make a birdie here on this golf course because you can kind of reach the green from the tee. But that's not necessarily always the case. With that temptation of driving the green, uh, it can result in a lot of you know uh, there could drama can ensue. The tenth at Riviera, for example. Is a, is a par, you know, even though it doesn't sh- shake out that way, in, in sort of the architect's mind, it's that teaser par three and a half tempting you with what many consider an easy, easy birdie and you end up leaving with a bogey. Well, Augusta National, especially the back nine, is filled with, you know, half pars per se, even if they're the, you know, par four and a half, if it's listed as a par four, like the 11th hole, and it plays more like a par four and a half. Or the 13th hole, which is listed as a par five, but plays more like a par four and a half for these guys. What that is doing is creating a lot of drama. It's also, it was built to be a, a stage for, a, for, a, for a, a place like a major championship with the, with the way the grounds work. It's, you know, it's very much of, um, of a spectator's uh, dream because of, of the, the mounding and, and where you get to watch the golf course. Uh, there's, there's a lot of risk and reward, a lot of drama ensues, uh, and it's, it, the golf course just makes sense the way it's fun and the way the drama builds towards the end of the round. Matt, the current golfers out on the tour, they're going for the Masters. We ha- I, I've got McElroy, Day, Scott, and Spieth as the top four. Is there anybody, anybody else coming up the uh, ranks? And the change in putters, Adam Scott seems to have adjusted. Uh, how has he done that? Um, let's see uh, who's coming up in the ranks. I mean, I, I, it's amazing 
um, what's happening in the world of golf right now and how quickly the game is getting younger. It wasn't too long ago. I just spent a lot of time with this kid, Bo Hostler, who's playing number one at Texas and is the number one amateur in America. He, as you recall, actually had the lead uh, after a couple rounds of the U.S. Open in 2012 at the Olympic Club. Um, and, and, you know, he's now won, I think, four times so far this year in 2016. And I was talking to him recently for, for Janela's Journeys, a travel show to Austin, Texas, that will air uh, in Morning Drive in a couple weeks. And I was talking about, you know, the decision to go pro. And he was saying, look, you know, I, I, I realize that, you know, regardless of how much success I've had um, as an amateur, this is, you know, I, I'm not turning pro until I know that I can compete against the guys that I've been competing against the last couple of years at a professional level. He knows it's not, I, it's not just getting hot for four rounds, not just getting even hot for four months. I need to prove to myself that I can be good at, at that level for an extended period of time. And, and, and I said, wow, that's very impressive, you know, and, and, and think about all the young players. He goes, let me promise you something. There are a lot of kids I'm playing with that are better than me that are going to be out there. On t- I know I'm playing with a lot of kids in, that are be out on tour very soon that are going to be competing at that level uh, and not just competing, but winning. This is Bo Hostler. He's talking already warning the media that, yeah, I'm coming, but so is a lot of kids just as good as me. I mean, this, this trend is going to continue. Matt, uh, you just, you, you've done an, a, a, a perfect segue into my next question to you. Yeah. And I'm sure you know where I'm probably going with this one. Uh, kid, we, 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 tweet, we chatted about by text yesterday. Uh, and maybe may a little bit soon for him, but there's this, there's this young man down in Florida. I actually saw him on a driving range last year. He's, he's 11 years old. He's won the World Junior Championship, I can't remember, six years in a row. He won it when he was less than six years old. His name is Alan Kornikova. He's Anna Kornikova's half-brother, I believe. He he recently shot a 63. Uh, And I understand you've played with this young man. Uh, I did. You know, same thing um, in Florida, meeting up with him. He's going to be one of the subjects in an upcoming travel segment to to, uh, the Jupiter area. And he met me at the Palm Beach Par 3. He grew up playing golf there and still plays there on a regular basis. Uh, He is 11, and as you say, he's won four out of the last five World Junior Golf um, Championships. And and he shot, to win the last one in 2015, he shot 63-70-65. I think he won it by nine shots. And I talked to him about the, those rounds. You know, the, the most impressive round was actually the 70. In the second round after shooting 63, he, he was two over par, and he finishes birdie, 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 birdie to finish two under. I mean, this, the, uh, this kid talks about golf like Tiger Woods used to talk about golf when he was uh, a teenager. He would talk like a 35- or 45-year-old guy about his golf game. Everything else you could tell he was – you know, he was socially a little, you know, uh, behind because he was just in such a tunnel and focused on on being a great golfer. You know, the history of the game, he could talk about it like he was, you know, rich learner of the golf channel. But but everything else, it was off. And that's what it was like talking to Alan Kornikova about his golf game. He was so mature as an 11-year-old and talking about the experiences that he's had. And he said, when I play bad, when I play bad now, I think about those great rounds I've had, and I now know that those live in there, that that's what I'm capable of, and that's how I get through bad streaks. That's, that's what's coming 
is these mentally tough kids that aren't just physically gifted. The athletes are playing golf now because golf is cool. So that, that obviously helps the level of play. And that's a factor here. And football, by the way, is causing a lot of concussions, and that's going to be getting more more athletes into the game of golf, which is all good. But when they get there, they're going to be so much more mentally tough, tougher than what we've used to be and seen, and that's why the trend is happening the way it is. It's not just the physical abilities. It's also the mental abilities and how they're being trained at such an early age. Matt, we're getting back to the putter. That's the the other question I asked. The adjustment Adam Scott seems to have made right. uh, perfectly. What What is that... Uh, are a lot of guys having problems with that? Uh, I, you know, look, I, I think people are always tinkering with their putting stroke, their grip, the length of the putter. It's just now you just can't have it anchored, right? So uh, it, it's not entirely – Adam Scott has always had one of the greatest golf swings, and Adam Scott has always been capable. Uh, it's just a matter and, – and I think that's true of a lot of these guys, but it's it really has always been about who gets hot with that putter. Um and that and that that's those are the guys who are going to be up near the, the first page of that leaderboard on a regular basis. Well, uh, if Adam Scott has been experimenting now and has found a, a grip and a stroke and a length of putter that works for him, and he gets hot, uh, you know, of course he's going to have this kind of success because he's that good. And I I think I think the way he's playing right now uh, and the way he's putting and the way he is comfortable at Augusta National, I can't I I will be hard-pressed to not think that he's in those la- one of those last two groups on Sunday. Uh, we've been talking to Matt Janella, the Golf Channel's resident uh, travel insider, and he appears regularly on the morning drive. Matt, we know you've gotten up early to uh, to join us this morning, and we very much appreciate <laughs> it. Uh, just a, a little friendly reminder, we've got some great golf in the Toronto area. If you ever want to do a feature on uh, travel, golf, Toronto, uh, give us a buzz. We'd love to have you in Toronto. You know I will. I, I'm out here on a buddy's trip to Las Vegas. Uh, we're we're, we're going to watch a bunch of college basketball all day, and uh, I've got a lot of making up to do. I'm I'm a little <laughs> bit behind, to be honest with you. So, Anyways, um, um, not many upsets forward. in the basketball, are you Matt? No, I need Stephen F. Austin to come up big for me. Today. Okay, so root for me, please. <laughs> Anyways, Matt, we we uh, thoroughly uh, enjoy having you with us and sharing your insights with us and. Uh, Given the nature of what you do, we wish you safe travels. Thanks so much for joining us. Always appreciate it. Thanks a lot for having me. Take care. I'll talk to you guys soon. Thanks, Matt. That, of course, was Matt Janella, Golf Channel's resident travel insider, and appears regularly on the morning drive. As we said earlier, Naz, spring is in the air in the southern Ontario region, and uh, everybody, all, all the passionate golfers are chomping at the bit to get out onto the, uh, onto the courses, and we'll be going to break. And when we come back from break, we'll be talking some more golf with Rob Roxborough, the executive director of the National Golf Club of Canada. We'll, we will be right back. It was a rainy day when Pizzaville introduced the really big pizza deal. It's even bigger than Toronto basketball star Jonas Valanciunas. He wears size 17 shoes, but the really big pizza is 18 inches, topped with pepperoni. Plus, you get 16 wings. And you get the really big pizza deal for just $29.99. Try getting Jonas for that. Call Pizzaville at pound 3636 from your cell phone. 
At 20,000 square feet, Steel's Paint and Woodbridge is Canada's largest independent paint store. Big deal, right? Big deal? Yes. The best brands, the best staff, the best advice, the best of everything. From color matching to brand selection, whether you're a pro or a DIYer, we'll look after you from the minute you walk in to the minute you walk in a second time as a completely satisfied customer. Big store, big deal, bigger satisfaction. Simple. Steel's Paint, 4190 Steel's Avenue West in Woodbridge. At Titanium Logistics, we believe that choosing the right shipping company comes down to two issues, price and cost. Most prices are competitive, will likely save you money too, but the cost of choosing the wrong company to service your cross-border freight to and from the U.S. and Mexico can be extraordinary. If it's not where it should be, when it should be, that bargain price, worthless. Titanium Logistics, on time, on budget. Call 905-266-3014. Ask for Blair Downey. This is Daryl Sittler for Alta Infinity and Vaughn. I've worked with some pretty great teams over the years, and the staff at Alta ranks among the very best. Expert sales, superior service, and the largest selection of Infinity cars and SUVs in Canada, and the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's no wonder that Alta has been an all-star performer for well over a decade. Visit AltaInfinityWoodbridge.com, or better yet, drop by the number 7 Auto Mall at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice. There's an old saying, entrepreneurship doesn't build character, it reveals character. Entrepreneurs learn to trust a person by trusting people. The law firm Rigabon Carly understands this. They know all about entrepreneurs because they work for them every day. They've earned their trust. They know that when it comes to meeting the legal and business needs of entrepreneurs, good enough is not enough. Rigabon Carly, the intelligent choice. The security business is easy, right? Anyone can learn it. Perhaps they can learn it on duty with your valuables at stake. Perhaps they can learn it in a crisis situation that requires an immediate intelligent response when lives are at risk. After all, what harm can a few mistakes make? Plenty. When it comes to security for your business or office, an experienced partner like Regal Security makes sense. Security is what they do. Peace of mind is what they provide. Visit them online at regalsecurity.ca and find out how much they know, not how much they can learn. From face-offs to playoffs, field goals to own goals, you're listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning and welcome back to the Nazawali Sports Hour. We are live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto and we are pleased to welcome back to the Nazawali Sports Hour, Rob Roxborough. Rob, of course, is the executive director of the National Golf Club of Canada, which is uh, one of my favorite courses and I, I've uh, played quite a few golf courses. I think it's one of the best golf courses in the world. Rob, how are you this morning? Good morning, good morning, and thank you very much for inviting me back. I appreciate it, and uh, I always love spending some time with you talking about some golf. Uh, thanks so much, Rob, and uh, we're, anx- we're anxious to get out there and start swinging them in southern Ontario, but we want to take this opportunity to catch up with you about golf in Canada. I know that you're uh, a- an expert on golf in Canada. You've uh, devoted your career to golf in Canada. You're now executive director of the National Golf Club of Canada, which is considered by many uh, Canada's greatest golf courses and one of the great golf courses in the world. And uh, there's, a, there's a big event coming up this summer that involves Canada and golf, which is, of course, the Rio 
the Brazil Olympics. Let me see if I can get spit that one out. Uh, first time Olympics has been uh, first time golf's been in the Olympics for a long time, and in fact, an historical anomaly. Canada is the defending gold medal champions in golf, and uh, want to size up a little bit how you uh, how you see the Canadian uh, Canadian team shaping up, both from a men's and a women's perspective. Yeah, George S. Lyons has certainly carried that uh, <laughs> that, trope, that torch for a long time, or I guess worn that medal around his neck for a long time, and maybe it was time for us to do something about uh, supporting him for that. Uh, you know, I think it's great right now where we are on the on the men's side of things. Maybe we'll start there, and you know what I think. Um, you know, David Hearn's play of late, Graham Dillette kind of really starting to, to, to round his game into form, certainly T.D. Green, and, and we, all, we all have those moments on the greens like he had last Sunday, but uh, you know what, I think we're, we're, we're going to head in pretty strong, and I, 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 I've seen pictures of the golf course and just a scorecard online from Rio, and uh, it's pretty fair for a lot of people, but I think, you know, good ball strikers like we're going to have representing us, I think is really going to be uh, our strong suit. Uh, it, it's going to get windy down there. Uh, you're, you know, it's going to be uh, not a lot of great lies. And as soon as you put those elements into into the conditions of the game, uh, I think uh, you know the two players that are probably going to represent us. Now, I also shouldn't overlook Adam Hadwin, who is really you know in great form this year and a, and a super player. Really like seeing what he's doing with this game. Like seeing him competing. He's one of those guys on tour. When you watch, you watch him go to work. Like he's grinding it out. Maybe a little bit less natural than some, but you know what? He puts his hard hat on and goes to work. So he's gonna, he'll do well by representing FFS if uh, he rounds out our, 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 our group down there, that's for sure. Rob, is Nick Taylor in the picture? You know, I don't know exactly where the status of Nick's game. It's been a little bit, you know, since he, since he won, um, you know, in the last tour season, uh, he's, he's fallen off a bit. And, I, you know, part of that is, too, is every time these guys play golf courses and you're this new on tour, you're playing them for the first time. And they've maybe played them many times the rest of the PGA Tour. So all those, all those early seasoning players are, are always at a little bit of a disadvantage. But, uh, you know, I don't know the status of Nick's game right now. I know he's working hard on it. Um, his representation is good friends of mine. Uh, at Wasserman, so I know that he's 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 got his head down and he's going to work, but I'm not too sure exactly where he's at in terms of in terms of uh, you know where he stands with with how happy he is with it. Uh, Graham Dillette last week, you mentioned a bit about his putting and uh, how does he improve that? Because it was a shame to see him hit the ball so well last Sunday and not score. You know, uh, we all we all have moments, and I think one of those things that you know, and, I'll, and you know what I'll do, I'll go right to Rory McIlroy. Here's a guy who struggled on the green. And what did he do? Went right to cross-handed. Sometimes in these little, in the finite moments of the game, chipping, putting, you almost have to trick your brain into not understanding you have bad history. And one of the things about golf and all great golfers is they have very short memories. And what you need to do is just come up with a new system and a new way of doing it. He's tried. He was using a, a little bit of a new grip, but maybe it's, you know, of course, the long putter's not in, in the game anymore, as you were mentioning with Matt on the, on the previous segment. But, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, different weight of putter, different style of putter, something along those lines where your brain goes down and has no recent memory of missing a putt like that. And Jack Nicholas once said he never, ever mi- remembered missing a putt on the 18th green of any round he ever played. And that's exactly where Graham needs to get to. It, he doesn't look comfortable. He doesn't look certainly not confident. And it looks as though he's kind of wishing it in the hole right now rather than putting it in the hole. And guys that are winning tournaments right now are just pouring them in the back like you referred to Adam Scott earlier on. 
Uh, we're talking to Rob Roxborough. Rob's the executive director of the National Golf Club of Canada. Of course, Rob, uh, we've got some uh, pretty successful women golfers right now, and the shining light right now seems to be this incredible young woman, Brooke Henderson, all of 18 years old, I believe, who's already a, a, a tour champion. She's already a tour champion. And uh, have you watched her play? And I'm sure you have. What's the, what's the strength of her game? What makes her so good at such a young age? You know, I have watched her play. I had the privilege last year when the tour came through Ontario, and I went out and I went out with a single-mindedness to watch her. And I'll tell you, she is impressive. I love her controlled demeanor, but yet there's an underlying tone of aggression in there. Like, she is not afraid to, to go low. What, one of the greatest things that separates good amateurs from good professionals is the ability to continue to make birdies. A lot of times you'll be four under after seven or eight holes. And you go, wow, I'm on to a good day. I better hold on. And all of a sudden, a bogey piles in, a double piles in. It's back to a normal round very quickly. One of the great things I noticed in Brooke's temperament and in her mental approach is really how she's not afraid to say, well, I'm five under now. I bet you I can get to six. Or there's a par five coming up. I'll get to seven. And it's one of those things that really is amazing. The one thing that really, that really caught me when I watched her, she didn't have a great day. But I'll tell you what, she was relentless in her approach. She was very disciplined in how she took on every shot. Her ball striking, uh, the ones that she hit on the driving range were, were a little better than the she was in the course. She just didn't have a groove that day. But she hits the ball, and it sounds different. It sounds hard, and it cuts through the air. She's going to be with us for a long time. But I'll tell you, just her approach is what I really appreciated about watching her. Like I said, she may not have had her best day, but you could see where she was trying to get to. Is there anybody else uh, in the women's uh, section that uh, can uh, go with Brooke to, for the Olympics? We were trying. We were talking about that before the show, and uh, Elena Sharp was the only name that came up with us. Is there anybody else? You know, and they're good friends too, by the way. <clears throat> so I think that that's probably where it's going to end up, and uh, and probably just as a good calming factor for each of them. I know that they played a lot of golf, um, you know, through the time when Brooke was growing up. Uh, I ran an event for uh, for Annika Sorenstam at Magna one year, and uh, and Elena was in it, and so was Brooke as a junior. So they've had a long thread of uh, of staying in touch, and I think that that would be a great two two person team for us to have represent us. And another person who's hot and cold, but when the switch is on in Elena, she's also a go lower, if you will. So I think they. They make a good pair competing out there with each other just to see who can make the most birdies in a day, that's for sure. We're talking to Rob Roxburgh, Executive Director of the National Golf Club of Canada. Rob, in a couple of weeks, there's a, a great event c- uh, coming up south of the border in Augusta, Georgia. And, of course, the probably the greatest day in Canadian golf history was probably that fateful day in April. I guess it was 2003, if my memory serves me correctly. It was. The, the day that Mike Weir won the Masters, and I hate to admit, I, I wasn't even able to watch it. I was on a plane back from Scottsdale, and when I landed at Pearson, oh. I, rem- I remember it well, like it was yesterday. I, I got a, The pilot announced it on uh, just as we were landing that Mike Weir had won the Masters, and, of course, the next night, Mike Weir was at the ACC with his green jacket, and I remember that like it was yesterday. But I, I can't think of any greater day in Canadian golf than that day that Mike Weir won the Masters. And I know that you're a personal friend of Mike's. And as, and, and as a former champion, he will be done at Augusta, I'm sure, unless, uh, unless he's suffering. But how is Mike doing these days? Uh, tell, us, tell us the state of his game and uh, what, what, are, what are his goals and uh, whether, he, whether, in fact, he will be at Augusta. Well, I, 
I thought you were going to, in your reference originally, was going to be the greatest day in Canadian golf was when I caddied for him in the par three two years ago. <laughs> <laughs> and how I looked at my jumper. Well, um, you're going to have to uh, email me a picture of that. I'm uh, sure, I'm sure that was a like, great day. Like the giant marshmallow man from Ghostbusters uh, standing <laughs> beside him in his green. You may uh, find this hard to believe, Rob, but you caddied for Mike Weir. I actually caddied for George Knutson one time at, Did uh, you really? at Oakdale Golf and Country Club. I was all of 10 years old back oh, in amazing. Back in the mid '60s, and we used to shag for him at Oakdale. And you know, the, uh, I have, now, I have. Me if legend has it, we'll get back to Weirsy in a second. But correct me if legend has it. He used to, you just used to stand out there with a ba- with a second baseman's glove on and just catching them all around you. Is what I used to understand. You know what? Legend has it. You know what? It's it's over. It's it's almost fifty. It's over fifty years ago. And the legend and the myth. I'm I'm a firsthand witness, and I remember that. And, and I wasn't I was not as exclusive caddy. He'd pick a different. He'd roll into the Oakdale parking lot. Oakdale. Country Club, of course, at Gene and Shepard. He was an assistant pro at the time. They were sponsoring him when he was on the PGA Tour. Mm-hmm. He'd roll in uh, on uh, late in the afternoons, and he'd roll in in his convertible in his shades. He was just the coolest guy in the world. <laughs> uh, and he'd roll in, and he'd grab a caddy, the caddies that were still hanging around, and he'd go hit eight irons or four irons. And when you say, yeah, you could literally catch them in a glove, you literally could. Uh, I have I have such incredible memories of that ball flight. I just can't shake it from my memory. He was just the most incredible ball striker of the ball I've ever seen. Um, and you caddy for Mike Weir. But uh, going back, how is how is Mike doing, Rob? Well, you know what, he's great actually. Um, you know what he, you know when he took a bit of a hiatus from the game, and he's back now. Uh, when he took a bit of a hiatus from the game, it was really. Um, his medical situation was a, was a smaller element for him. It was really just uh, you know some family dynamic he needed to get straightened away, and uh, unfortunately parted company with his wife um, a year ago. And so you know just to get his family settled, Mike's family first, and uh, and that's one of the things that I think we endear, we find endearing about him is that's him, and he wears out on his sleeve. And and uh, but it's golf now, and I'll tell you something, he's amazing. He is so happy with the state of his game. Uh, we had a chance to play out at uh, the National last October, and he was up, and he was just getting the dust off his clubs after truly a couple of months without playing. Went out, and, in the, and, and, and Wally can appreciate this, is he went out in the beginning of October in a three-club win with, a, with the rain pelting you right in the forehead and shot 71, didn't even blink. And I thought, wow, this is the beginning of it right now, and it really has been. He started off the year playing, uh, I think, three events over in Europe. Uh, right when the calendar turned to 2016, uh, played well. And well enough, he thought, you know what, I'm going to come back. He said, I'm not going to play in the PGA Tour until my game is ready to, to, to go. And, and he only has so many starts allocated for his year. So he didn't want to start, you know, jumping into these events until he knew he was ready to take it on. And honestly, if you look at his stats line every week of the events he's played so far this year, and last week he was really happy with where he was, just didn't convert a lot. But he was really happy with his driver, really happy with his, with it, with his uh, play around the green. His irons let him down a little bit. But you know what? He will be at Augusta. He plans on competing at Augusta, not just playing. He's going to use you know, good memories and what he's done around that golf course and the local knowledge that certainly pays off to his advantage. But I think you're going to see him compete in the next couple of weeks and, and not just make a cut, but be on the page, first page or two of the leaderboard. Uh, he's that close. And I'm not a person who's always looking at a, at a glass half full. I mean, let's be realistic. This is a tough game. But he's, he's right now, he's, he's kicking some doors in, and I think that you're going to see him there. I mean, it was only a couple of years ago with the Byron Nelson when he went out and almost won that tournament. Um, and I think uh, Chris Kirk, I think, ended up winning. But, you know, Mike didn't, 
Mike didn't fold. He didn't go away. He was right there right to the end. And if it wasn't for Chris Kirk making an up-and-down left-handed um, short game save – uh, from behind a tree on the 16th hole when Weirsy had a putt for birdie on 17, that two-shot swing could have seen Mike win. So what it goes to show is when his, when his physical performance is in line, his mental, perform, his mental stability is still there. And when they're married, I mean, it's going to be a good, uh, a good week for Mike. We've been talking to Rob Roxburgh, the executive director of the National Golf Club of Canada. Rob, uh, our time is running short, and we'd really like to thank you for joining us again and sharing your insights onto, uh, into the state of the game of golf in Canada. Thanks so much, and hopefully, uh, hopefully we see each other again soon. Absolutely, and thank you very much for having me. And, uh, and, and the driving range opened uh, around the corner from me yesterday. Six people took a sled of dogs out there in a parka, <laughs> and, uh, and that's all I saw was the Canadian tuxedo, winter jackets, and shorts. When so are you scheduled to open the National? <laughs> when are you scheduled to open? Uh... Oh, you know what? I think, I think the National, I think we'll probably open. Um, it's early yet. I think we're really going to get another dose of the white stuff before we get to see all green. But I'd say mid-April is kind of when we're targeting. And uh, I'll tell you, right now, golf course has got a, got a pretty easy winter, and I think they deserve it after the last couple. Oh, for sure. Anyways, Rob, it's always, it's always a pleasure catching up with you. And uh, keep well, my friend. Thanks so much Thank, for joining us. Thank you us. very much. Cheers. Have a good start to everybody's season. Thanks, Rob. That, of course, was Rob Roxborough, the executive director of the National Golf Club of Canada. And uh, some interesting uh, comments on bringing us up to date on, the, uh, on Mike Weir, of course. Uh, Mike Weir is one of... Uh, if one of Canada's most beloved golfers of all time, certainly one of the top three up there with uh, George Knutson and Mo Norman. And uh, his Masters victory certainly uh, one for the ages. Uh, what an incredible day that was. Uh, yeah. Naz, you uh, started swinging your clubs yet? You getting no, ready? No, are you kidding? Not yet. <laughs> Anyways, yeah. we've, been, uh, we've, been touch, we've been in touch with our golf, uh, with our golf uh, expert, Sean Clement, who's been providing us with golf consulting uh, over the over the course of the last couple of years and uh, he's down in Alabama and uh, we're certainly going to have him back in studio in the next couple of weeks and see if we can get your everybody's golf games tuned up anyways uh, you're listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour we've got uh, 10 minutes left or so if uh, it's a point of the show we'd love to take your call I'll read out those numbers for you 416-360-0740 toll free one 866 Seven four zero four seven four zero. We'd love to take your calls and uh, any of your comments or questions. I'll read those numbers for you again. 416-360-0740. Naz, I know you're a big Blue Jays guy and... Uh, you know the big uh, the big Blue Jays story so far in the spring, uh, other than uh, other than the fact that uh, they were playing well for a while, is uh, Incarnacion Bautista. That debate is heating up. Uh, in fact, there was a full page in the Toronto Sun Sports section this morning, uh, basically insinuating or implying that Incarnacion is on his way out of town. Uh, your assessment of the Bautista Encarnacion situation and how that's going to affect the Blue Jays this year. Well, I think they're going all in this year with with both of them, but I I believe that they won't be back either because um, I don't think the Jays want to sign either of them long-term, and so they shouldn't really in the situation that they're in. They have Tulowitzki and they have uh, Donaldson to build on, right? So... I don't see them here past this year. What would it take to sign them? You I mean you 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 went well, with I, the uh, I threw out you a went, you threw out a number for 
a Bautista sign. You, you're saying they should sign Bautista now. I mean, he's yeah. on this year. He's getting yeah. paid some thirteen uh, million, from what I understand. Thirteen million, which is, I mean, let's be fair. Sounds like a lot of money in today's major league baseball. If he has anywhere the season he's had for the last three or four years, he's vastly underpaid. That's right. I mean, that's just, you know, I mean, I know some people get offended by a baseball player making $13 million. But the reality is, in today's Major League Baseball, uh, Bautista's been a $25 million man yeah. and he for, should, for the last three, up, four years. They should years. rip up the, first, the, the last year of his contract that's at $13 million. Give him, even give him $25 million for this year and $25 million for the following three, go $100 million for four years, but throw out this year's contract. I think he signs. I really do. Well, they've got to take the bull by the horns. I, I, I think going through the season, it's going to be such a distraction, uh, whether, whether they like it or not. They've got to make a decision. I, I don't think anybody foresees that they're going to, they're going to go after both. So I guess the insights, the inside story right now is they're they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna go after Bautista. They're gonna cut Encarnacion loose at the end of the season. But I I just think this this whole story is gonna be just a huge distraction for for the Jays this year. Uh, we're gonna be talking more about that than actually their on field performance. Anyways, uh, Kevin from Buffalo, how are you this morning, Kevin? Gentlemen, good morning to you, and just a very small comment on the Maple Leaf Sabre game last evening. And to take a long-range view, the Toronto Marlies are having a very excellent (laughs) AHL season. And simply not to give up hope. It's a long season, developing players, and just an overall view that I feel all is not lost. It just takes time to develop. Yes. Well, I agree with them because it does take time to develop. And things can change uh, change over the summer. You know, we were talking about this earlier. Steve Stamco signs here, and then uh, Austin Matthews ends up the first pick in the draft or ends up with Toronto. It changes the picture totally. Yeah, I mean, to- I, totally. I, 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 think, I think Toronto fans are getting a little bit carried away um, with this whole Austin Matthews thing. Uh, and we talk, we've chatted about this. And this, this is something that's peeved. Oh, who's the GM in Buffalo again? Is it Tim Murray? Tim Murray. Yeah, yeah. He, he's, he, he's really peeved about this because Buffalo, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Naz, you've you, you, you got a better handle on, on stats than I do. But correct me if I'm wrong, Buffalo actually finished last overall the last two years, but they haven't picked last, right? Yeah. So we're getting all excited in Toronto about Austin Matthews. Even if we finish last, even and the Toronto Marlies are doing a great job to make sure that we don't finish last yeah. because you know they're you know these guys yeah, are the do, kids are playing the well. kids are playing well and you know what and and I like it and I, I I see a lot of a lot of hope for the future there I really do but they're doing us they're doing a great job of making sure we don't finish last but even if we did let's 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 do some raw numbers here even if the Leafs finish last and Tim Murray will tell you this the general manager of the Buffalo Sabers we have a one in five chance. Of getting that pick, would you bet your house on a one in five no, chance? Nobody would. Nobody would. Nobody would. But uh, I would bet my house on Edmonton. No. 
you know, the way the Oilers you know, are going, we they're said it get on them. the air last year. Last year, the day and the and the and the draft this year is April thirtieth, bud. Not the draft, the, the lottery. Uh, when April they settle 30th, the lottery, it's, right. it's April thirtieth. It's a Saturday night. It's going to be you know the only the only Saturday night show that Hockey Net in Canada gets good ratings for, because I'm sure their ratings this year are probably abysmal with the Leafs not. But 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 we I made the point last year. We cannot have a situation where Edmonton picks first overall again. And they discussed that this week at the GM meeting down in down in Florida. And Doug Armstrong, the GM of the St. Louis Blues, was very, was very vocal that they have to change the system. I said it on the air last year when, when Edmonton picked Connor McDavid. That's a travesty. Okay, That was four times in six years. And they weren't even finishing. They were just winning a lottery. Okay, And I said, okay, you know, what's happened in the past, in the past, change the rules on a go-forward basis. You know, you can't pick first overall on a lottery pick every year. I mean, come on. They win it this year. It's going to be five years out of seven. Number one pick overall. It, it's it's ridiculous. It's possible. It could happen. It could happen. It could happen. And you know what? And I, I, I just want to see Bill Daly's and Gary Bettman's expression if Edmonton pulls that pulls that number one pick again. Anyways, Sebastian, our producer, is telling me i got to calm down and we got to get off Scheduled guests next Sunday. Schedule. We're believe we'll have Derek Sanderson. Derek Sanderson. We believe. I'm Gotta still. I'm. That. I've talked to him a couple of times this week. I'm trying to confirm it. I'm very positive we should have him, but we will confirm it. Anyways, you've been listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour for another Sunday morning. We'll be back again next Sunday morning, same time. To all our listeners, have a fantastic week. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.